All right, guys, welcome back to the Talking Flicks podcast. And today we have a lot to cover because I just got out of the cinema watching Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Now, there's a lot to talk about this film. There's reasons why I loved it. There's reasons why I absolutely hated it. So without further ado, let's just get stuck into what I want to talk about. So I'm going to cover about three major topics in this episode, one being the script and why I thought the script wasn't as good as it could have been, two being the performances, which I honestly thought absolutely saved the film from just being a total bomb, in my opinion, and why I think maybe I and a lot of other people are starting to get a bit marveled out, and we're all kind of suffering a little bit of Marvel fatigue ever since Phase 4. So, firstly, what I wanted to talk about was the script, right? The the plot of the film just wasn't as good as I would have hoped, and wasn't as good as Marvel has been delivering as of late, you know? Since the start of this inception of what they were looking to build with the MCU, they had great screenwriters. The scripts were always really strong. They had a deep meaning, a deep impact. And in my opinion, that's why they were better than DC. Because DC had the cool superheroes, the action, and the costumes, but they didn't really have the depth to their scripts and good stories and plots behind their films. And that's where Marvel was able to beat DC. However, with Ant-Man, I felt the script was really lackluster and could have had a lot of improvements. So what I'm going to do is go over all the problems that I had with the script. And the first one being the fact that the script was just all over the place. You know, there just wasn't enough structure. It wasn't as refined. And there were just so many subplots that take you in all these different directions throughout the film that ultimately have no bearing or meaning to the film in the first place. Like, I won't dive into everything because I'm not going to give away any spoilers here, but there's like 50% of the movie, half the time they've spent doing different things that have no impact to the film at all. So the film doesn't move in this linear structure, and that's something I've been getting a little worried about with Marvel lately, and this movie really showed it, was that they were going into all these different directions, which ultimately did not impact the movie at all, and also don't impact any other movies going forward. Like, they wrapped up, like there were these subplots within the movie that got wrapped up and got closed, but... There was no point to it. There was no meaning to it at all. And I'm not going to give away any characters. I'm not going to give away what happened because this isn't a spoiler. But that's the main issue I have with the script was it was just all over the place. It wasn't refined. There didn't seem to be a lot of structure to the script. And there was just overall just too much happening in the movie to really allow it to hit you, to really take in the story. Because half the time you're just going, well, what's the point of this? And it's not like I was confused and then they wrapped it up at the end. I wasn't confused at all in the movie. It was just I was watching a bunch of scenes take place, which I knew at the time wouldn't affect the end of the film. Like, it had nothing to do with the antagonist, had nothing to do with the protagonist. Like, Ant-Man wasn't even involved in a lot of these subplots that happened, and it was just overall a little strange. Now, another problem I had with the script was that the lines came across quite corny. Obviously, I'm not going to give away any lines here, but there were a few one-liners that Marvel is really good at. You know, sometimes they play into the corniness and you get it. That's the humor they're going for and it actually works and comes off. Whereas this time around, the lines were just corny. You know, I always bring up this line that I remember from Aquaman where it starts off, it's the first Aquaman movie, Jason Momoa whoops a whole bunch of ass on a ship and then he turns around and he goes, permission to come aboard. And it's like, it was the most corny thing ever. It wasn't funny. No one liked it. It was just a 
really bad corny line. And DC is riddled with it. Marvel so far haven't been. However, in this movie, there were so many corny lines that the movie could have done without. And there were a couple times where they tried doing their like regular Marvel thing where they play into the corniness. And sometimes that works as humor, but in this movie, it didn't come across as funny at all. There was maybe two points in the whole movie where me or my brothers laughed, where anyone in the cinema for that matter actually laughed. Like, I think there were meant to be about seven or eight times that they wanted the whole cinema to laugh, and no one did. It was absolutely crickets, and that was just because the lines were just so damn corny. Now, another problem with the script is that they didn't build the relationships enough throughout the film, especially between Scott and Cassie. It's just like there's meant to be this tension between them, and at the end of the movie, of course, that gets resolved, and it's meant to be this emotional thing. However, it doesn't come across at all. Like, they didn't do a good enough job, and this isn't the actor's fault for that matter. This is purely in the script. Just didn't build that tension enough. And the movie was quite short. Like, it goes for about two hours, including the end credits. So the movie really is like an hour and 45. And they couldn't even fit any time to to build in that tension between Scott and Cassie. I feel like the movie could have been two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 20 minutes, and just have an extra 10 to 20 minutes where they could build up this tension. Because at the end of the movie, when you know you're meant to be feeling emotion, it just doesn't come off. And to me, that's always the worst thing in a movie and really takes you out of the moment is when you know that they're going for this emotional thing. They're going for this connection, this resolve, and you're meant to be there with them and really feel it. And you know you're meant to, but you're not. That always, always lets down a movie. You know, a a classic case of this is The Blind Side, where you watch the movie and there were so many times in that movie where you know they want you to be like, oh, this is so sad. And it's basically every scene in that movie, but they want you to cry and do whatever and you don't. And you know that it just ruins the movie in my opinion. And that's what happened with Ant-Man purely because in the script... They just didn't build the tension enough. Now, maybe I shouldn't blame the script entirely because maybe they did write this in the script, they filmed it, and then they cut it to maybe shorten the movie or keep the movie more conducive to the plot. However, I do feel it definitely needed an extra 10 minutes, five minutes at least, of just more time to build this tension between the actors. Like, they just weren't given enough to really build that tension and to allow those emotional scenes to actually come off in the film. And that really, really took away from it. I think that took away the whole depth of the film. And that was the bigger impact of not having this emotional building between Scott and between Cassie, is that there's no depth to the movie. You know when you watched WandaVision or you watched Avengers Endgame, like... Even Captain America Civil War, like when you watch the best Marvel movies, there was real depth to the film and there was a human aspect, there was a human impact and that allowed you to feel the movies more and that's what really made Marvel movies cinema and not just theme park movies but actual cinema experiences and this movie just didn't have that humane impact that they're used to having and it didn't have that depth to the script, didn't have that real deep meaning because... They just didn't build the relationships enough between the characters. It's basically like the movie starts, they've got to get after the bad guy, there's a bunch of weird subplots that take it in all these different directions, and eventually they win, sort of, and that's just the film. Like, where's the depth to it? Where's the cool relationship aspect? There's no relationship growth. Ant-Man isn't in a place 
in the beginning of the film that he isn't really at at the end. Like, it didn't change the course of his life, really. It didn't impact a lot. There was just not enough depth to this movie, and that was a really, really big problem. Now, on top of that, on top of the fact that the emotional points didn't hit, another thing which took out the emotion was there was absolutely no stakes to this movie. It really came across like the movie was meant to be built up as this high-stakes film, this Avengers-level movie. Like, that's what Marvel were telling us. And I went into the movie expecting to see something big. And yes, it was big. Bigger than most of, like, the one-off superhero movies where it's quite small, quite humorous, the bad guy's not as powerful. Like, this is the first time we've seen the bad guy in the movie actually be someone who can destroy the whole planet. Like, it was, like a bigger bad guy than Thanos and only Ant-Man could take him on, but you still knew there was no stakes to it. Now, I'm not going to give away why there was no stakes unless you don't know, but however, with the bad guy, you know that they're not going to, they can't quite beat him. There's no way for Ant-Man to actually beat him in the movie. He can beat him in that plot, but you know there'll be something else to change that later on. So it just took away the whole stakes. It felt like the movie was just an origin for Kang, like the bad guy is Kang the Conqueror, and it felt like it was an origin movie, building up his character, letting us know his character, without actually having any real stakes in it. And what's weird is that when you get an origin film for a superhero, you love it, because you're getting the superhero's backstory, how he became the superhero, and how he's going to take over the world and, and, and protect the world. Whereas with Kang, it's like this origin story of a bad guy, And you already kind of know who he is. You know how strong he is. So there's no real point to that origin story to build him up because you're not like, yay, I can't wait to see what he does in the future. Like you want this guy gone. He's the bad guy. He's the guy who's going to destroy the planet. You want him defeated. You want him gone. You don't want to see him built up. Like, and it wasn't even built up in a good way either. You don't want to see like how he just came to be able to take over the world in a way. Like I want to see him defeated. And it just took away the stakes. So you're watching the movie knowing that no one's actually going to win and no one's actually going to lose. So what's the real point of the movie? Especially with a superhero film where you think that's the main thing. You think that the main point of a superhero movie is that, you know, you want the good guy to defeat the bad guy. That's the whole point. And if the superhero doesn't win, the villain doesn't win, but the superhero doesn't lose and the villain doesn't lose, well, what was the point of the movie? Where did we reach at the end of the film? It's like certain things would get destroyed, then fixed, and maybe that wraps up the situation, but then it gets destroyed again. And then you're like, oh, okay. And then it gets fixed again. And you're like, oh, okay. So we're just going in this weird loop and we get nowhere. So like where we were at at the start of the movie with Kang is kind of where we're at at the end with Kang. He's still around. He's still plotting to take over the world. So at the beginning of the movie, Kang is plotting to take over the world. The movie ends, and now Kang is plotting to take over the world. And that's a problem that the multiverse has brought in, is because stories never have stakes anymore. These Marvel movies don't have stakes. These Marvel movies don't have really any meaning to them, because how can you feel victorious or feel sad someone's gone when you know, oh, there's just another multiverse version of them? You know, there's another in another universe, that person's around. So it's like, say Spider-Man dies, you go, oh, it's okay. There's another universe with Spider-Man. So 
that's the weird thing that the multiverse has brought in. And maybe they're trying to do something different with it now that they're bringing in different actors to play different roles of the same hero because you end up getting emotionally connected to that one actor, that one version of, say, Spider-Man, that you don't want him to die. However, when it comes to a bad guy, you don't really care so much about the actor. You just want to see the bad guy lose. But when you know that the bad guy just has other versions of himself that can also travel through multiverse universes, well, what's even the point? Like, where are the stakes in here? And that really took out the whole emotional impact behind the film was that you knew there was absolutely no stakes at all. Now, the worst bit, of the script. I think the thing that cheapened the script the most was that it was like a sci-fi movie. But it's not like Marvel went into the sci-fi direction and built up their own unique, you know, type of Marvel aspect of sci-fi like they did with Doctor Strange bringing in a little bit of like PG-13, maybe M horror. They went into that genre and did it well. With the sci-fi genre that they kind of did with Ant-Man and the Wasp, It just felt like a parody of Star Wars. And it's like, have you seen Star Wars? Well, you've seen Ant-Man. Like, the aliens all look the same. They all kind of speak a language that sounds similar to a Star Wars language. They have similar guns. They go into this nightclub bar type thing in the quantum realm, which kind of just comes across as like a bar that you would see Luke Skywalker go into. Like, it really felt like this cheaper parody version of Star Wars. Like how Thor, Love and Thunder was a parody of Thor, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was a parody of Star Wars. That's really how it came across. And that cheapened the whole thing. Because watching it, you're looking at it going, oh, I see what they're doing here, but I've seen it done better. So why, why would I like this? You know what I mean? When you've watched Star Wars, it's kind of hard to watch another sci-fi movie and go, oh, this is great, because you've seen it done better unless it's Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica, because they're all like top, top, top. So if you're going to go into the sci-fi genre, you've really got to be confident that you've pulled it off, that you've done it really well. And this movie did not do sci-fi nowhere near as well as Star Wars, Star Trek, or Battlestar Galactica did. So it really just cheapened the whole movie and just made it you know, just less enjoyable because you know it can be done better and you hear these cheap one-liners and these cheap, you know, type of puns within the quantum realm and you just go, yeah, I've seen it done much better than this. So it really cheapened the film. Now, the last aspect of the script, which I'm going to talk about, which was negative, was the fact that there was just not a lot of humor in the film. Now, I've already talked about how there were multiple times where they went for like the corny humor to make the cinema laugh and it didn't pull off. However, there was no normal humor either. Like, there was a few corny moments, but then on top of that, there was no real humor. And it's like, you've got Paul Rudd, one of the best comedy actors of this generation, around right now, and you're not going to use humor? Like, Ant-Man is a loved superhero because it has humor. Marvel is a great universe because it has humor, and they're trying to go away from the humor aspect, which I get, because they're trying to take in a different direction and try new things. But to do that with Ant-Man? Like, really? It doesn't make sense. It's like, why with Thor would they go in the direction of humor and then with Ant-Man go in the opposite direction of humor? It feels like the role should be reversed. With Thor, he should have a serious movie. With Ant-Man, yeah, the stakes should be high, but put in some humor. Like, that's why we love Paul Rudd. Like, what's the point of having Paul Rudd in a movie and you don't even use humor? 
Like, what are you giving him to work with? That's his best thing. That's what he's loved for. And I get he wants to do other types of roles as well. Maybe he doesn't always want to act in a humorous role. However, come on. When you're in Marvel, you're playing Ant-Man. This is a movie that could lend itself so well to great puns, using Paul Rudd really well. And there were moments where he did with his face... You know, we tried bringing in some humor through his physicality that he clearly knew wasn't in the script and he was trying to add that extra aspect because he knew that's that's what makes the movie good. And the script really didn't have a lot of humor in it, so it just made no sense at all to have Paul Rudd in a movie, Ant-Man in a movie, and not have humor. Yet with Thor, they went in the complete humorous direction. She-Hulk, they went in a complete humorous direction. It's like two characters where you don't want humor. They gave you humor. And the one character where you want amazing one-liner, puns, great humor, they didn't do it at all. It just made no sense to me. So that leads on to the performances and the fact that the script didn't lend itself well to any actor ever. Like the, the lines, the overall script, and the dialogue It would have been so hard as an actor to try and pull it off, but I thought they all did an amazing job. And the cast and the talent of the cast specifically is what absolutely saved this movie. So the first one I want to talk about is Paul Rudd because surprisingly, he actually performed really well without the humor. Like, he's so used to having humor to fall back on. I'm sure it was a big risk for him to make this movie, and and he really had to go out of his comfort zone to deliver a good performance, and he he just definitely did that. He stepped up to the plate and did such a good job. Like, I really have to commend Paul Rudd in this film because to not have humor and to do a complete serious role, there were some real moments where the script was written very cheaply, like these emotional scenes weren't written well at all, and he had to kind of ground them, and he had to make them realistic and emotionally hitting, and he did his best, and it came across really good. Like, I think most actors, given the script that they had for this film, definitely wouldn't have pulled it off as well as Paul Rudd did. And on that note, Jonathan Majors is the one reason this film doesn't get a complete negative reaction from me. It's purely because of Jonathan Majors. Once again, his dialogue was not a lot to work with, but I absolutely loved him as Kang. He did such a good job building that character purely through physicality. It's really rare and kind of impossible to see an actor, given a bad script, make the character enjoyable and amazing and glue your eyes to the screen purely through their physicality. He knew that this script wasn't the best, and through his face, through his demeanor, he came across as powerful, strong, and everything we wanted to see from a Kang the Conqueror. He was just an ultimate boss, really. Like, he was just the most feared guy. It's like that Darth Vader situation where every time he walks into the room, there's this aura, there's this sense, there's this presence, and it's like, oh my god, like, I fear this character, and I absolutely feared Kang. And if it was most other actors, I don't think I would have feared the character. But what Jonathan Majors did was just incredible. Like, he was just the best part of the movie. If it wasn't for him, this movie, I wouldn't even give it a 5 out of 10 if it wasn't for Jonathan Majors. Like, his performance bumps it up just at least two points. Like, he was so, so good in this role, and I cannot sit, can't, can't wait to see where he takes it in the future. 
I cannot wait to see where he goes in his career in the future past Marvel because clearly what he's building with Kang is amazing, but we all know he's also going to be in Creed. So I'm interested in seeing his career absolutely skyrocket because he is so good in this movie and really showed why he's one of the best actors in Hollywood right now. And I absolutely loved every scene that Kang was in purely for that reason. And now the last point I'm going to touch on with the performances is that at least they tried their best because there were times where it felt like the actors were reaching for an emotional moment, for an emotional scene, and you could tell it was forced, you could tell it was strained, and it kind of made you cringe a little bit, but you can't really blame the actors for this one. You know, sometimes you watch a movie and you go, oh my God, these performances are reaching for these emotional extremes and it's not hitting and you know it's the actor's fault. Whereas this one, like they're reaching, but you cannot blame them at all. And you really don't. You just listen to the dialogue, listen to the words they speak and go, yeah, that's why they're reaching. Like the, the script was just, it was abysmal. It was really, really bad. Surprisingly bad, written by who I think is a good screenwriter in in Jeff Loveness. You know, he wrote for Jimmy Kimmel Live. He wrote for Rick and Morty. He's a good screenwriter. But this script was just horrible. And they had to reach really far to try and pull off these good performances and get these emotional scenes out there so that at least the audience can feel like they felt something. Because otherwise, if they didn't reach for something, if they didn't try to bring in these human emotions and, and really ground the film and add depth to it, the movie would just be so flat. It would be so dumb, just on your nose, like no thought gone into it. I love Dune because Dune is a real thinking man's movie in a way. Like there's a lot to digest. And that's always what I love about a movie is when you think back on it and you go, oh, I didn't pick up on that at the moment, but I picked up on it now. Or you watch a movie a second, third, fourth time and you see something new and you get a new moment. Whereas this movie, like, I don't know if I'll watch it again because the script just didn't have any depth. So it forced the actors to really have to push and reach for these emotional scenes and ground the films themselves, and it was just tough. Like, it was tough to watch, it made you cringe, but you know you couldn't really blame the actors on that one. And the last point I'm going to talk about with this movie is Marvel fatigue. Now, I think we're all kind of suffering a bit, and Marvel even hinted at it when Marvel said, it must have been two or three months ago now, they reacted to their negative reactions to Phase 4. They knew that Phase 4 didn't have the viewership numbers that they were used to, didn't have as positive reaction with the critics as they were used to, and it was a real drop. Like, they knew they, 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 knew they royally effed up with Phase 4, and they admitted to it. They said, look, guys, we, we admit we made a mistake. We see the mistakes and we're going to look to correct them moving forward. Now, do they say that as marketing to keep you interested so you still watch the Phase 5 films? Maybe, but they knew they messed up and they knew they had to build in the future. But what that's done is that it's just made a lot of fans fatigued. And unless you're this diehard comic book Marvel fan, you're finding it hard to keep up. Like I know myself. I love Marvel Comics, I love the superheroes, I love the whole universe. My girlfriend doesn't as much, but she's interested in a few of the movies, but for the casual fan, the average fan, it's becoming really hard for them to keep up. Like, she's constantly confused to wait, why is this character doing this? What happened here? Like, she she can't keep up with it. It's so much you have to watch, you have to invest so much time in the universe that it's honestly impossible for the average fan to keep up, which you could argue is Marvel's target audience. Like, the reason Marvel is as big as they are, the reason why they make as much money as they do, is because they attract everyone. Like, 
the average family with their eight-year-old kid will go watch a Marvel movie. And they were always really good movies. But now that it's becoming a lot bigger, it's going down all these different subplots with these different TV series on Disney+. Plus. Then you've got all the multiverse stuff going on. You're bringing in Kang. You've got the Kang Dynasty. And there's multiple Kangs. It's like, how can the average person keep up? These people that you've been making the movies for... They cannot keep up, and you're going to lose the critic reviews. You're going to lose the good viewership numbers purely because these people are so confused. They're just going to completely give up on Marvel. That's my opinion. And maybe Marvel is like, well, we want to please the comic fans. We want to please the true superhero Marvel fans, and that's all well and good, but if you're going to please them, then you know you're dropping your market. So you can't really invest as much money into your movies, which will ultimately drop the level of the movie, the quality level, because there won't be as much money coming in. And then even the, you know, diehard Marvel fans may even lose interest because they go, hang on, these movies are starting to suck now. Why was the CGI better four years ago? Like that could end up being a possibility purely through this Marvel fatigue that they've done to themselves. And I guess it had to happen, right? Leading up to it. Leading up to Endgame, it was like this big build-up and then it was a big drop-off, right? Because it finished that whole saga and all the great characters we all love for the last 10 years. And so they had an opportunity to restart or keep building, but in order to keep building, they'd have to go bigger. And bigger than Thanos, in my opinion, which is what they did with the multiverse, is just too big. It's too confusing. For me, I love it, but even myself, I'm still going like, oh, it's just so much I've got to keep up with. I couldn't even imagine what the normal movie fan even thinks. Like the normal guy who doesn't even watch movie YouTube videos, doesn't watch stuff that I'm putting out on my podcast. Like they just want to go watch a good movie. They're going to watch these movies and go, what are they talking about? Like, why am I interested in this? That's what's going to happen. And that's, they've just made it way too confusing. And I think Marvel fatigue is playing a big factor at the moment in their success. We're seeing a lot of their movies coming out, not get as good reviews as they used to. Black Panther was amazing. But, you know, we see the Eternals. We recently saw She-Hulk do really bad reviews. Thor Love and Thunder bombed. And now this movie is ultimately bombing. It's sitting at like 50%. So we're seeing Marvel fatigue take place. Like, it's definitely happening. It's not like, oh, I wonder if people are fatigued. No, people definitely are. It's getting too big and too confusing. And on that, I've been saying for the last two years, I have trust in Marvel. Like, they know what they're doing. They're going to clean it up and they're going to, you know, bring it all together and piece it together in a way that won't be as confusing. But they're still yet to do it. And I was thinking Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania would be the perfect movie for Marvel to actually clean up this mess that they've built. I thought they were going to do it. I thought this was the movie. I was like, oh no, they've been planning the whole time with this movie. It's going to all wrap up in a nice little bow and be packaged to us in the form of Kang the Conqueror. And that didn't really happen. I'm still just as torn as everyone else. Um, There's this subplot happening. There's this happening. There's this happening. It was not pulled together. It was not pieced together at all. They did bring in one other storyline from a series that they put out on Disney+. Plus. I'm not going to give that away because it's the second post-credit scene of the movie. But on top of that, it didn't really piece together the whole universe at all. So I don't know. I'm still waiting for them to do that. Perhaps they never will. Perhaps they've built themselves into a hole. They've dug themselves a hole which they can't get out of. Maybe that's the situation. They don't know what they want to do next. I don't know. I heard they had a five, ten year plan, but I guess we have to wait and see. 
Let me know your thoughts down below if you like the film in the comment section or if you're not watching this on YouTube and you're listening to the podcast. Well, I hope you guys like the movie. I still would recommend it because, you know, as much as I say there's a lot of negativity about it, it's still a good watch. Watch it once. I'm probably not going to watch it a second time. I doubt a lot of you guys will either. But I hope you guys like the movie. It's definitely watchable, definitely enjoyable. And I give it about a 6 to a a 6.5 out of 10. So it's almost there. It's almost good around that 7 range. But the script just was not good enough and how good... However good the actors were, it wasn't good enough to take it up to a seven. So six and a half for me, Ant-Man and Quantumania, one of the weaker Marvel movies, however, still somewhat enjoyable purely for the performances.